want before the worship team goes down, before they go down, I want to, to just begin uh, to remind some of you that maybe weren't here last week. If you did, this will be a little recap of last week's message in the beginning. But you remember that we, we looked at, um, at Paul, uh, at the writings of Paul in Philippians chapter 4, Paul's command. We also know Scripture tells us that God has not given us a spirit of what? He's not given us a spirit of what? He's not given us a spirit of fear, but of power, love, and a sound mind. Remember how, how refreshing it would be to know that you could have a sound mind through any struggle or trial of life, that you could approach it with love and that you have power to make it through any situation. And if you're a child of God, His creation, then, then it's senseless. It's, it's not meant to be that you should live in intimidation of any bad report that you get. That, that is really hard to do, I understand, but no matter what comes your way, that as a child of God, you shouldn't live in intimidation of that. And Paul says in Philippians chapter 4, 6 and 7, be anxious for nothing. Be anxious for no thing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, that puts you in the frame of mind of how you come to God with thankfulness for what you already have, what He's already done. Let your request be made known to God and the peace of God. Peace, world peace, that thing that, that, that bullying the schoolyard that keeps drawing a line in the sand and, and our governments keep crossing it thinking somehow they're going to be able to force peace. But the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds. Which means that when you operate when you are in God's army and you're an operator in His special forces, that means that the way you handle situations, people will look at you in amazement and say, I don't even understand how you, how you make it through those storms like that. Pastor Danny, how do, you, how do you take it so calmly when things go wrong? And all you can say is, but God. It's like the person who goes on one of those real fast crash diets and, and those things tell you to take the before and after pictures all through because what happens is change happens so, so fast that you're, you're at the end, you've lost weight, your pants are fitting different, but you still think you're that big person before you started. The peace that's supernatural, out of this world, life-giving peace that comes from God. And Paul was writing this from a prison cell saying, dude, I'm in prison. And I can even say, be anxious for no thing. Be anxious for nothing because, man, I just kicked off worship time at midnight and God popped the prison doors open and God was about to kill himself over and I had to say, whoa, 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 it's all right. It's just God. It's just how God works in my life. Chill out. We're still here. You'll keep your job in your head. Let me go to your house and witness to your family, though. So Paul was writing to this prison cell. and So I want you to start off this way. Let's turn to your neighbor and say, I want you to know that you're anxious for nothing. You're anxious for nothing, for no thing. I want to have our ushers that they can come so we can receive the tithe and offering and worship. And just remember, if you want to give towards a missionary, make sure it's noted somehow, some way, so that we can be sure that he, he gets that. Danny, will we pray? Amen. As they're receiving the offering, are you excited about part two this morning? If you weren't here last week, don't worry. I've, I'm giving you a recap and we're not done with that. Uh, we'll, we'll get you acclimated into today's message before we go on to the new material. But being anxious for nothing. If you're here this morning and you've got a storm in your life or something going on, God has something for you. If you'll commit commit this right now that you're going to try to receive something from God you'll leave with it so listen the temperature starts getting warm in here because it's metal building and it's not keeping up so the devil's going to try to put you asleep right so turn to your neighbor and say I may shove you I may shove you just don't shove me back so if you see someone uh, and I don't know if one of you guys when you get done can you get some fans blowing this way I can preach over the fans um, some, some of them on the stage but also, um, so, you know, I'm going to tell you that while last week I felt God really brought a great word for us from His Word, um, this is where it really, the rubber meets the road, and we've got a little bit of time to get through this. So if you get sleepy because of the heat, 
I'm going to challenge you. Stand up, walk around. You won't bother me. Do something. Stand to your feet. That's what I used to have to do when I was in the Navy or even in Bible college. I'd let them know ahead. I said, I've got a switch in my rear end. When I sit down, it shuts me off. So I may have to get up and pace. But we're talking about being anxious for nothing. Last week I talked to you about those, those um, senseless anxieties that we see in our children. Remember I told you that Caleb, uh, little Caleb, my, one of my twin boys, if you said the word blood, he would get squeamish and almost lay on the floor. Not that he saw blood, not that he was bleeding or anybody else was, but the word blood caused him to just get almost um, ill. And, and we talked about the boys in the water. When we're swimming in water, they could stand up and... You know, they don't even have to swim. But all of a sudden, water gets in their noses as they're swimming. They think they're drowning. They panic. Or Lily Jean, who, who, that girl, she's always had food in the house. You know, she didn't grow up in some third world country. But if she says she's hungry and you don't have food to her in three seconds, she's dying. And I mean, she's going beast mode on everybody because she thinks she has to have food right then. So these irrational, these senseless anxieties... It's like, um, you know, many times as God's children, we have senseless anxieties. That in light of eternity in heaven, realizing that we're just passing through, that God's got us as children of God, that they're senseless. So Paul says that there's things that you're afraid of, and just paraphrasing, there's things you're afraid of that make no sense, make no sense from heaven's perspective. There's some, some things causing you to shut down. They're paralyzing your life. You're literally stopping in your tracks when you come to adversity because of this, this mindset, this senseless, senseless anxiety over things that many times you can't control and are going to be there, and they're going to be there when you're gone. But they make you freeze and stop in your tracks. And God's in you, and He's given you the power to overcome, but yet they're paralyzing. So Paul says, well, I want you to retrain your brain. I want you to retrain your heart to be anxious for nothing. Say that, nothing. I mean, come on, come on, Paul, this is just preacher talk. This is like me standing up here, and some of you that don't know me very well will look at me and say, oh yeah, you're a preacher, this is what you get paid to do. Words. Let me tell you something, I didn't go looking for this. I, I would have wanted to be with Brother Stephen and say, send me out in the jungle just for fun to see what kind of trouble I can get into for the purpose of God's Word. I mean, two worlds collide, perfect. I'm doing something for God, and I get to a little bit of action-adventure, right? Of course, I would be imagining getting to strap on a gun and, you know, Go out there and it just wouldn't work. That's why God's not sending me, Brother Aaron. I would take it too far. And so, Paul, we're saying, come on, Paul, this is preacher talk. You don't really know my world. Paul's saying, I'm in prison, bro. I'm writing these words from prison saying, be anxious for nothing. I'm here, not of my own free will, being beaten and flogged for the gospel's sake. So if anybody has a right to tell you to be anxious for nothing, it's me. And so if you're a follower after God's purpose, you've got no reason to ever, ever be anxious for anything. Be anxious for no thing. Do you remember last week the Greek word for anxious, what that was? Do you remember, I told you I don't do a lot of word studies because we can't often follow God's word in English, let alone follow it in Greek. I mean, if we can start applying the English words to our lives efficiently, right? Then move on the Greek. No, I'm kidding, but I don't do a lot of word studies. But the Greek word for anxiety, and yes, I'm moving fast, so stay with me, is marinate. The word is marinate, which, having a little fun with it, playing some wordplay, it makes me think of the word marinate. Like when you marinate some steaks and some good stuff, you know. But listen, in this sense, it's not a negative thing. It marinate, like if you marinate in the wrong stuff, you're going to eventually be full of all kinds of fear. So, so if you keep soaking up in problems and marinating in all the problems of life and getting anxious, then you're going to just be full of fear. I'm not afraid of nothing, Pastor C.J. Well, let's, let's get a little further in the message and let's see if that still holds true after God's Word pierces through all the baloney. All right? And then you look at the last part of the word doing wordplay, nate, like as knots. Like, that's exactly what anxiety does to us many times, doesn't it? It ties you up in knots. You're spending most of your time trying to undo all this anxiety in your life, and it feels like when you have a fishing rod that birds nest, and you're trying to sit there and pick apart the little pieces to get it straightened out. 
and it's frustrating and it feels like a waste of time and you're ready to just cut something off, right? And move on. Like you're in a knot. Anxiety gets you all tied up in knots. And so, Paul says, he uses the word marinate, just don't be marinate, just don't get all tied up in knots and marinate in your problems. But don't we need to worry about some things? Last week we talked about, don't we need to worry about some things, Pastor CJ? Well, no, don't worry. You can be concerned, but not worry. There's a difference. What's the difference? Well, being worried is, is focusing, marinating in the problems. Being concerned is marinating and focusing on the solutions in God's Word and applying them to your life. So in other words, you can focus on all the problems, marinate in that, and you'll get all tied up in knots, marinate. Or, like in Philippians 2.20, the Word gets used the opposite way. I have no one else like him. Talk about timid Timothy. Right? Timothy was on the journey, but Timothy was getting timid. Tongue twister, timid Timothy. And so uh, it says, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern. Two types of concern. Oh, I'm really sorry that's happening to you. I wish there was something I could do, but I'm just too busy. Or, brother, that's terrible. I'm going to jump in and help you. And so he's saying this, that, you know, I, I have only one who has genuine concern for your welfare. And so it's used, this Greek word translated from the English that means genuine concern is also marinate. And this shows us that you can have the same situation, you can have the same problem, but it's all about how you view it and how you head into it that makes a difference whether it's marinate in the bad sense, tied up in knots, marinating in problems, or marinate in the good sense of, Genuine concern and marinating in the solution. So it's an interesting use of the word in the same book. So this is all part of that preview. But when we get into the part two, which is today, I think about times like when my wife Jen and the kids go on a trip without me, which doesn't happen often because of my paranoia and watching too many action films like, uh, well, I'm not going to mention them because then you know the movies I watched that I probably shouldn't have watched. But I'll just tell you, there's a lot of people like Denzel Washington and, and Liam Neeson where somebody's messed with their family and, uh-oh, they did the bad thing because he's got some skills, right? And they're going to find out. I may be a little bit old and tired, but I'm going to come out of the shell and you're going to be hurting, right? I will find you and I will kill you, right? And so they go on this trip and it's 10 minutes or 30 minutes into the trip and I'm thinking, man, um, I know they're only gone 30 minutes, but I'm going to text Jen because a lot can happen in 30 minutes. You know, flat tire, stuck on the road maybe just be across the border in Missouri, but you know, those Missourians. And so I text, right? And I'm like, you guys okay? And 15 minutes goes by and she didn't answer. I'm thinking, well, that's, that's good of her. She's driving and not texting, so, so that's good, right? But another 15 minutes go by and I'm thinking, you know, I'll just call because she's not texting, but surely she can answer. And I call and no answer. I'm thinking, okay, well, she's not watching her phone, she's watching the road, that's good. Or... It could be that they stopped for a minute and someone commandeered the vehicle and kidnapped my family. And so then I turned to the Stalker app we call Life360. I mean, we call Stalker app. It's actually called Life360. And I can see where she's going on the road. I'm thinking, okay, they're heading still in the right direction, but that doesn't mean anything. Maybe I should call an Amber Alert for my family, or maybe I should go out and I should grab the guns, get in the car, and go track them down. And if they're okay, that's fine. And here are my wife and children just trying to go see Nana and Papa you know, spend time with them, and I'm lighting up her phone thinking now it's, it's you know, it's DEFCON 4. And so finally, you know, after an hour goes by, and I'm just ready to head out the door because I'm going to find out what's going on. She calls and says, oh, I'm sorry, we just, you know, Lily, we had to stop for food because it's been three seconds after she mentioned she's hungry, and, you know, nobody's going to be able to make the trip if she doesn't get food. And so I didn't have my phone in the gas station. And so, you know, I'm getting worried for nothing. I'm getting anxious about nothing. And most of the time, that's what anxiety is all about. It's about nothing. And let me tell you another story from Scripture related to this teaching. So one, Jesus, one day Jesus wanted to go somewhere, and he had his disciples prepare to take him where he needs to go in Mark chapter 4, verse 35. And Brother Aaron, I said I was going to remember this. By the way, here's another, some borrowed material from Stephen Furtick. I want to give him credit. I missed that in first service. I said I'd try to make sure if I'm using somebody's material here. But Mark 435, one day when evening came, he said to his disciples, let's go to the other side. 
So this is important. I want you to say other side. Come on, everybody. You, you heard me, everybody. Other side, right? Okay. So that's going to come in to play a little bit later. But he's leaving the crowd behind in Mark 4.36. And Jesus has been teaching all day. How many of you have been in any teaching profession? Or even just homeschooling or, or teaching a class? And it's tiring, right? And think of Jesus teaching critical, eternal lessons and he'd been talking about the sower and the seeds and how the soil can have thorns and rocks and all kinds of things and so some yields good fruit and bad fruit and he's talking about that in reference to their lives and and how um, he wants them to um, to to be good sowers and plant in good soil and, and he shared about the kingdom of heaven is like a mustard seed to have faith like a mother, mustard seed and so all of this is in mark chapter 4 and Jesus is all day in teaching, and he whispers to Peter and says, Man, I'm tired, and these crowds are not going to leave me alone. Hey, go fire up the boat, get it at the dock, get ready to peel out of here. We're hitting the water, buddy. We're out of here, okay? And so he's tired, and he's, he's um, getting ready to go. He hasn't had any break. You need breaks in ministry, too. And so, and so he left the crowd behind, and... Mark mentions something about other boats which really don't really, they don't really get talked about much, which indicates that Mark has given us some clues that this is eyewitness account, that Mark is the eyewitness to this. And he talks about Mark 4:37, a furious squall came up just out of nowhere, which in the Sea of Galilee, this was typical because it was in a basin, and so the winds would come back over, and so these pop-up storms would happen pretty often. But this squall, this raging sea storm comes up in Mark 4 37 and the waves broke over the boat so that they were nearly swamped and how many in this storm of life that you have sometimes you feel nearly swamped like I, I'm showing up but I'm barely here like, like I'm just barely well how are you today brother I'm barely making it fair to partly cloudy I, I'm just barely here right and so and so we, we get that way, and that's what they're experiencing, this little physical storm popping up. And so, Mark 4.38, Jesus was in the stern. And this is Jesus here we're talking about, all loving, all passionate, all caring, all concerned about your problems, right? But Jesus is asleep in the stern on a cushion when this is going on, when this storm, this squall pops up. And this is Jesus, who if you call on him, he'll answer. And, and Jesus was in the stern, sleeping on a cushion. So I love God's sense of humor and how these things are set up. And it goes on, and the disciples woke him and said, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Don't you care if we live? Don't you want us to live? And it takes us back to the book of Jonah. There's some blaring similarities here that you can't ignore. I mean, where Jonah the prophet was running away from God, his perfect purpose for Jonah's life as a missionary, and he's running, right, from not going to Nineveh because he don't like those people. And he doesn't think those people deserve what God's got for them. And so Jonah's running, but Jonah goes into a deep sleep. But we've got two different things going on here. Jonah is a much different story. Jonah chapter 1, verse 5 and 6, And a great storm came upon the ship because Jonah was running away from God. And sometimes God will send a storm to get you back to the place you need to be to reroute you. And this is where I want to get real with you guys for a minute. I mean really real, like down and dirty. Here's the thing. I fear that in church culture today, that while we should focus on grace, God's grace, I think we're too afraid to tell people sometimes you're creating your own storm. We don't love them enough to tell them the truth. Because the truth will what? It will set you free. And we don't love them enough to set them free because we can see clearly they're creating their own storms, but yet we'll stay silent because it's just too difficult, right? It's too difficult to approach. And so we literally see them with the squalls of life going over, crashing on them, and yet we'll just let them go through that without being honest and say, you know, sometimes we don't, we don't want to do that because back in the 80s and 90s with, with the positive confession movement, people got weird with this and got heretical, which means they were false doctrine, teaching that, walking into the hospital room with 80-year-old grandma who has served God her whole life, been faithful, and said, well, you must have created this by sin in your life, otherwise, because God doesn't want you to be sick. 
And so we get so scared of being that person who takes God's word wrong that we don't want to tell people the truth is. We all know it. First service, people started to grin because when I said this, because you know there's people in your life who they're creating their own storms. You see them do it, and you're just like, I don't know how to tell them. But you know that God is, keeps taking them through that so that eventually maybe they'll learn from it and grow and they'll be able to get through those storms. So we ought to thank God for some of the storms he sent because if he hadn't sent those storms, you would have ended up in the wrong place. And we're frustrated. I don't know why I'm here, God. Why do you have me here? I don't know, I don't know where, how I got here, Jonah. I don't know how I end up in the belly of this fish. Maybe because you were running. Because you're not listening to my voice and you know that this isn't where you're supposed to be. But in Jonah's case, all the sailors gathered around in verse 5 and the sailors were afraid and each cried out to his own God. And when that didn't work, they, they went to the cargo hold where Jonah was and went below deck and they said, the captain went to him and said, Man, how can you sleep? We're all about to die here. Get up and call on your God. They might remember us. He might spare us. And See, Jonah was sleeping because he was complacent. Because he had pushed back on what God wanted him to do so much, he probably was so worn out. I mean, it, it wears you out when you're fighting God. And he was just so tired, it wasn't that he wasn't scared or had any anxiety. It was just that he had finally worn himself out. And we get so worn out sometimes because we create our own storms. And so we end up trying to sleep through them. But if it goes down, the ship goes down, we're going with it. And Jesus was sleeping because he was tired from making many disciples, from bearing fruit. Jesus was getting good sleep not because he had worn himself out fighting God, but because he had worn himself out working for God, and he was getting some good peaceful sleep because he knew, he was confident, I'm right where God wants me. I'm right where the Heavenly Father wants me. I've been fulfilling His purpose, and I deserve some rest. And it don't matter that there's a storm going on because God's got me. If this ship were to go down, He's got me. And so it stands to reason there's no reason for me to get anxious right now. And so we see this comparison between Jonah and Jesus and like the way marinate is used in two ways. Either knotted up, marinating in their problems or marinate, resting in the solutions from God's Word. I can run from God who, who wants me to make disciples and end up in a storm because of it. In our lives, there are some winds that are blowing and some waves that will break, and it's going to happen. It's guaranteed. You're going to have storms. The boat's going to get tossed from side to side. And we can be all tied up in knots, getting tossed overboard, drowning, trying to figure out how to untangle to save ourselves. Or we can, we can be hitting those waves, doing it just as easy as it can be, really breaking through them. And then you wonder, Jesus, don't you care? Aren't you the one that's supposed to keep my life out of trouble and here I am in trouble? But you told me to get in the boat, Jesus. You see, I have this theory, okay? It's like Jesus, in this situation, he tells the disciples to get in the boat and we're going to the other side and the next thing that happens is this big storm. And Jesus, that one with the Father, he's one of the Trinity. No, no beginning, no ending. So he was there at creation, right? So in effect, as part of the Trinity, he participated in creation, and he knows the future, so he knows the storm's going to happen. And, and he had a part in creating the Sea of Galilee and knows that those are going to pop up naturally anyway. See, here's the thing. Sometimes we create our own storms, don't we? And when we do it without Jesus... When we do that, we're doing it without Jesus because if he creates a storm, he's going to get us to the other side. So I wanted, last week I told you I wanted to give you some tactics. We're going to go at it a reverse way. I'm going to give you some problems, five problems really, that cause storms in our lives. And at the end, we're going to turn that around to the tactics of how to defeat the enemy. All right. So five ways we create our own storms if you're taking notes, which I hope you do. You see some waves are God-ordained, as we said, in our lives. But how can, we, how can he give you peace in a situation that you're currently creating? We're praying, God, get me out of this storm, but it's one we create ourselves and we're currently creating it. God, save me from these people who are just driving me crazy, but, 
but it's the storms in your life that are causing them to come at you. And so there's five things for you. Often we create waves of anxiety in our lives with number one, the words that we speak. With number one, the words that we speak. Have you ever made unnecessary waves in your lives with the words that you speak and then you spend a lot of time trying to fix that? That's exhausting too. If I could just keep my mouth shut, right? How do I get myself into these things? Words, for some of us, we frame our day with the words we say, and then we're disappointed with the world we created by the words we spoke. We, we say things over and over, and we speak this negativity into our lives, and then uh, we create these choppy conditions in the morning just by the way we get up talking. Like things like, if it's not one thing, it's another. How many have said that? Man, if it's not one thing, it's another. You know, we just got my, my truck fixed, right? Or was helping me, and I... I went over and went, finished up Saturday, drove around, like, okay, we're good. And guess what? Our Passat battery is dead. Now, it's probably the original one, so it's probably time, and it's okay, but it's just the timing. We get one fixed, something else, something else, and it's just, like, God, am I not giving my money right? Am I not something? You know, and we, we start worrying about that. How many of you had a grandma or grandpa that used to say something like this all the time? Y'all about to worry me to death. Y'all about to worry me to death. Or my grandma would have put Ewan's in there. Ewan's about to worry me to death. Ewan's. As much as those grandmas and grandpas are sweet and they have the best intentions and loving and they came from this different generation that made it through the Great Depression and this adversity, that, that because they say those things a lot, they create a life of worry. Now we can give them an excuse because if you went through the Great Depression, that's, that's one thing. But see, as a child of God, we can't use excuses from the past to not be recreated today. That if, if you're Abraham at 100 and Sarah at 90 and God says you're going to have a baby now and it's going to change everything for you and your, your generations to come, if I'm going to promise you a new generation, a, a new family tree, if I'm going to promise you that, then you can't worry about how old you are when it happens. And many times we give people these excuses and as believers we don't realize we're working against God because He wants to change you consistently. It don't matter where you've been before Today's a new day. And, and so as much as our grandmas and grandpas, when they said, you're about to worry me to death, they wanted to be worried. And here's a good lesson to apply to your life. I want you to do this as a litmus test for your life to find out what you're speaking into your world. What kind of world are you creating when you get up in the morning? So here's something you can put at the end of everything you say as a litmus test, all right? We're going to try this out. And you can do this in your head. I don't need you to say it out loud and, uh, to, to bring embarrassment to you. But after everything you say, I want you to add this phrase, and that's just the way I want it. Let's say that. And it's just the way I want it. And it's just the way I want it. Y'all about to worry me to death, and that's just the way I want it. Ewan's eating too much ice cream, about to worry me to death, and that's just the way I want it. I'm running around here like a chicken with my head cut off, and that's just the way I want it. You see, we don't even realize how many times that we're speaking with the power of our tongue. We're speaking to our life and saying, this is just what I accept. This is just who I am. This is who I'll be. And forget what God's Word says about where He wants to take me. I'm here and I'm staying here by goodness sakes. This is my fort and even God's not taking it from me. And when you defy God like that and you say, I will not budge, I will not move, you're speaking death over your life. And then storms come and you wonder, how did I get here? How did I get in the belly of this stinky fish? It slipped up on me. Number two, check your approach. Remember the first one was our words. Check your approach. Sometimes it's not what we're going through, it's how we're going into it. It's our approach. And sometimes of us, sometimes we live with no margin, which means, you know, I'm, I'm really busy all the time, and we complain about that. Oh, I've got so much going on, I'm busy. Well, guess who set your schedule? My boss. No, no, who set your life schedule? You do. And, and so we create no marginal lives, or we spend more money at the end of the month than our paychecks could meet, and so then all of a sudden life is rough, and it's so hard, and things are too expensive. But we didn't take time to take the right approach and budget and plan for those things. You start your morning uh, in traffic getting angry at people because you, know, you didn't leave in time to give yourself that extra time and you know that traffic's going to be there. It's like Christmas. Oh man, who knew? 
Christmas comes on December 25th this year. And, and that's the way we approach traffic, right? We don't leave early enough. So then we're aggravated. What happens when we get to work and the boss all of a sudden lands this unexpected project on us? Well, we're fired up about, we haven't unloaded about traffic yet. And that was really our fault. We created that storm. And we get there, and guess what? We don't react right to the boss because in a moment, we give off that frustration. We're like, well, here, here's what the problem is. I've got this other project. I've got this. And the boss loses confidence in you because you're like, wow, I just told them about this thing. They're only saying how it won't work. Maybe they're not a team player. Maybe I shouldn't think about them that promotion. Then we don't get that promotion. Man, my boss is so mean. Pass me over for the promotion. And it's a wave. It's a storm we created ourselves by those little things. Like, like not giving ourselves enough time in traffic and not doing things God's way. And we're being anxious about so many things. It's your approach. I'm going to help a student out today because this was me in school. It's like that project that's due and you don't start it for three weeks when you know you should have started immediately. And then all of a sudden your teacher is telling you that you're getting a bad grade and you're like, oh, my teacher is so mean. I worked hard on that project in the two days I worked on it. Your teacher's not mean. You're a procrastinator and you created your own storm. Come on, parents. Let me hear you shout in here. I mean... Number three, teens, kids, wrong voices. Be careful of the wrong voices. I didn't set that on purpose. The wrong voices. Wrong voices can bring unnecessary anxiety, needless waves of anxiety in our lives. Uh, they, they can, if, if you checked your Facebook, let me tell you something, and this is for me, so let's just see how many are with me. When I get up and before I even take care of having to go to the restroom, which is more pressing, I pull up Facebook and check the news feed. If you do that, or you pull up Fox News, or you turn on the news channel, something like that, and that's the first thing you do before God's Word, or other things, or your Twitter, and you do that, before you even get to the bathroom in the morning, and you wonder why the outlook you have on life is so dark, is so negative, is so anxious. I think 24-7 news stations is one of the worst things that ever happened to the peace of mind God intended for us. Do we really need to know every detail, every negative piece of news that hits the screen? Well, yes, I do. I'm staying informed because I am a patriot and I am a voter. Well, let me ask you something. In the last five years of that negative stuff on there, how much have you impacted? Well, I voted, okay? So I'm telling you, every day when you watch that junk that's going on, and you let it fill your life, and you let it impact your attitude, and you get frustrated about it and anxious. What part did you play? What did you really do about any of that? And listen, they have an endless supply. You're never going to get out of that, that, that trench as long as you let them win and consume your life. Do you really need to understand every detail of every conflict, of every disease, of everything that's going on? Do you really need to marinate in all of that? No wonder you are marinated up. All tied up in knots over everything. You're marinating in the wrong report, the wrong voices. And sometimes people will come and tell me a problem and, and they'll keep going after they get the initial problem out. And, and I'll cut them off and I'll say, well, uh, yeah, I've had struggles like that a few times in my life. And then what am I doing when I do that? Being rude and cutting them off? No. I need, informed, I need to be informed to make decisions good decisions but when it gets to the point that you're just trying to get me to marinate in this problem and it's, and trying to let it stick to me and infiltrate me and let me soak it up so that I'm just full of fear then I'm gonna cut you off because at that point it's not necessary it's not good for you and it's not good for me the wrong voices I need good information but I don't need all that and it keeps going on, and then they said this, and he said that, and she said that, and this, and we do that. And at some point, you got to say, you know, I'm creating waves by the voices I'm listening to. I'm listening to depression. I watch depression. The people I hang around are depressing, and I'm making my own waves. Number four, our expectations can make waves. And here's a tricky one. The expectations of other people that we created can make the biggest waves. Now hear me out. How does that work? You're saying that other people's expectations of me might be my fault? Yeah. A lot of times it is. Because that boss that keeps giving you more and more projects is keeping you later at night. And then your wife's saying, I don't know who you are anymore. Kids don't even know who you are anymore. Well, I'm doing this all for you because I'm trying to get us a better place. I'm trying to get us all this stuff. But they're saying, but 
that's not what I signed up for. I signed up with you. And so we're ignoring that first love that God gave us for our family and we're moving on to push for things to provide them that they really don't want anyway. We're really doing it for ourselves. And so we've created this expectation with our boss that we'll do it. If they give us something, we're that go-getter. We're climbing that ladder, but at the same time, we're climbing that ladder, but we're losing those around us that love. We're missing out on time with, with aging parents or we're missing out on time with, with nieces and nephews. I'm speaking to myself. This is things even with ministry. I'm thinking I'm missing out on time. I miss out on birthdays or celebrations. And we're marinate, marinating in the wrong thing. At some point you have to say, you know, I'm creating the waves, all the voices I'm listening to. And also our expectations that we have for ourselves and creating for others. And sometimes our anxiety is because we got up in the morning not expecting any battles that day. And so we feel it's a surprise attack when something hits us wrong. Why are you surprised? He said, put on the full armor of God. What does that indicate? That indicates that we're in for a fight. You know, don't confuse Christianity with weakness. Don't confuse Christianity and us as men as people who don't know how to fight. Because I've fought some battles with people. It might have been spiritual, but listen, when you're sleeping on a guy's couch with a gun on your chest to keep the drug addicts away, the drug dealers, and I'm not saying that in a bragging way because I was scared to death, and they don't lock their doors or swing because everybody's afraid of them, and you're in the middle of all that, but God's told you to be there. You find out there's no weakness here. This is all about putting on God's armor because you are in a fight for lives. You don't, have to, you don't have to, while it's admirable to go sign up for the military, it's admirable to go sign up to be a firefighter, to be a rescue swimmer, all that, to save lives. You don't have to do that to be a warrior for God because the battle we fight spiritually, we may not see it, but one day we'll know. And we'll find out who is really cutting the mustard, who is really stepping up the plate to be God's warriors. You need to learn to expect some storms. The fact that it's unexpected is the very reason it's so difficult. The fact that you don't plan ahead, the fact that Christmas is so stressful is because you didn't plan ahead. And it does come at December 25th every year, just in case you didn't know. So that might help you not be anxious this next year. Maybe you can take Dave Ramsey Financial Peace somewhere and get ahead of the game. Fifth, there is the master wave maker. Number five, shame. The master wave maker. The master of disaster. Shame. Shame. You walk around anxious because you're hiding stuff and you wonder when other people are going to find out. So it makes you act funny. It makes you act apprehensive. It makes you act out and do things because you're hiding something. And so you're getting in these spats with people and you've got all these things. They're all deflections. They're all hiding what's really going on under here because you can't trust God enough to let him have it and let him deal with it and find a trusted brother or sister in Christ to help you walk through being delivered of that. And so you're walking with shame. Or maybe you're tormented about something God already forgave you for and you, you can't let go of it even though he has. You see, there's a difference between conviction and shame. Conviction is good. It shows you what you need to fix. But shame tells you, because of what you did in the past, you haven't really fundamentally changed at all, which is a lie. When you accepted Christ, He did begin to change. Some immediately and some over a process of time. Sanctification. And it makes you walk around feeling paranoid. It makes you walk around feeling anxious. It makes you feel like people don't love you when they really do. It makes you feel like they're judging you when they're really not. And it makes you walk around like, like you've got some big 10,000 pound weight on your shoulders, a chip on your shoulders because of that shame. You've got to learn where to take your shame or it will just mess you up. So it's the waves. And so then they wake Jesus up and, and uh, you know, don't you see, don't you care? Verse 39, Jesus got up, rebuked the wind, and said to the waves, Quiet, be still. And I just think it's cool that he got up and he just said, Quiet, be still, these three words. And then the winds die down, the storm calms, and he said to his disciples, Why are you so afraid? Don't you know that when I tell you that we're going to the other side, that we're going to get to the other side? Don't you know that I commanded the wind, I command the winds and the waves that they obey me? And see, they didn't because they hadn't gone through that before. And it's interesting the things you learn when you actually buck up and face a storm with Jesus at your side. You learn things. Do you still have no faith? And then verse 41 says they're terrified and ask each other, 
Who is this? Even the wind and the waves obey him. And listen, this is a response pastors find sometimes when the Holy Spirit lights you up and you speak into somebody's life and you know it was the Holy Spirit, not you, and they reject it like as if it's you. And like, who are you? Who are you to tell me that? Who is this person that can say things that nobody else knows inside me? And boy, they, they must be reading a lot of fortune cookies. They just got lucky. I thought you were scared. They thought they were scared of the storm. They really freaked out when the three words he said shut it off like a faucet. So I want to suggest something to you today about the storms of anxiety in your life and the waves and the winds that are blowing in your life because the winds will blow, the waves will crash, the boat will toss to and fro. Absolutely, no doubt about it. And when those times that Jesus is sleeping in the stern, it seems like he's not taking action to fix your life. And it's going to be easy to deduce from that what the disciples did, that, man, Jesus just doesn't care if I live or die. It must be that he doesn't care because he didn't answer the way I thought he would answer. He didn't face the storm before it started. And we start playing all the way out to the end. Man, this is how I'm going to die right here. This is the end of me. You know, I didn't get that promotion. I didn't get that job. I didn't get that spouse. I didn't get this or that. My kids aren't going to make millions and take care of me in retirement like I had planned. Anxious for nothing. But here's the thing. With Jesus, eventually get to the other side. You see, all since last week, last Sunday, when we started this thing, I'm wondering, why did Jesus send them into the storm? I mean, we wonder in our lives why God doesn't do more about the chaos in our world. Why didn't he just take care of ISIS? Why are we having to fight that? That's pure evil. Why wouldn't God do something about that before it starts? Why did my relative that have cancer, I mean, I'm thankful he healed them. But why did he let them have cancer to begin with? I'm thankful that, that that loved one that came back to the Lord, that's great. But why did he even let them wonder to begin with? And secretly they ask these things. We, we celebrate in front of other people for what God does, but then we ask these questions secretly. Don't you care? And see, I think Jesus, the few times we can see him, I think he actually got upset by that. Not that they woke him up. I think they were supposed to wake him up. I think he wanted them to wake him up. I think it's the way they woke him up. You see, they woke him up thinking, you must not care. As he said in Philippians 4, 6, in everything, make your request known to God. You're supposed to ask God for help. Lord, this is tough. This storm's rough. I need your help. Lord, would you help me? And you don't have to take my viewpoint, but I... I, I I see, I believe Jesus put them in the storm not to test them, but to teach them a lesson. Like the storm was a whiteboard and he's putting a lesson up there. I'm not going to be with you long, but I'm sending my Holy Spirit to be with you. And when I'm not here, this is how you handle the storms in your life. You hold up your hand with the power I've invested in you by living in you with my Holy Spirit to say, be quiet, be still. What a cool picture this is. Jesus is in the stern of the ship like the Holy Spirit is inside of you as a believer. That the Holy Spirit's there. Sometimes you just got to wake up your faith in God and say, peace, be still. Because the real waves that take you down in your life are not the ones out there around you like you think. They're not. It's the ones inside you. And you see, you think it's the circumstances making you anxious. It's not. You think the other person and the way they're acting is causing your anxiety. And, and you see, how do I know this? Because John, James chapter 1, verse 6, But when you ask God, you must believe and not doubt. Now watch this, what doubt does. Because the one who doubts is like a wave of the sea blown and tossed by the wind. You see, that's what doubt does. It's, it's part of what creates the storm in our life. And that's why God lets me experience winds and waves in my life. So he can teach me to calm the wind and the waves within. Because the real waves and storm are within. And everything else outside you, chances are generally, are heavily impacted and influenced and created by the storms you have inside. And once you can calm and say, peace be still, those storms inside, the ones around you begin to cease. Jesus said, watch this. Be still. Be quiet. Now you see how I do it? You go and do the same. What I just did to the sea, I want you to do to your anxious heart. 
And the next time winds of, of what if start blowing in, the winds of I can't do this, the winds of I want to quit, you just need to get up, wake up your faith and say, peace, be still, be quiet to the waves within. Because if you learn how to calm the waves within, you can ride the waves on the outside. I learned if you learn how to calm the waves within, it's about the atmosphere of your heart. You see, here's another thing. Here's another thing. If you understand about this whole story with the Sea of Galilee, see, there's an atmospheric thing going on there. With the way that that land was created and everything, these storms that blew up, you see the way our culture is with the sinful nature, it's just like that kind of atmosphere. Those things are going to happen. They're going to pop up. And, and so we can't always do everything about the atmosphere out there, but we can about the atmosphere of our heart. So if everybody would stand with me, the waves within. You see, you, you think the problem is, is God won't calm the waves from around you. The real problem is you haven't learned to calm the waves within. You see, you need to learn to be peace speakers to your soul. And some of you have got this Rambo mentality like you'll be able to stay distant from the body of Christ and you'll be able to just take care of all these waves yourself. And I want to ask you right now, how has that been working out for you? for a long time because these things don't happen overnight if you've got constant waves in your life and you're anxious about all these things and it's tearing you up it's knotting you up inside then let me ask you something I want you to just take a look around this room come on don't be, don't be shy I know it's uncomfortable to make eye contact but how many names can you call out in this room I want to ask you that I'm, I'm, getting, I'm getting real difficult here right how many names can you call out in this room? I, want, I don't need you to answer out loud, but I want you to think about it. Some of you that's this first time or a couple times been here, it's like, hey man, come on. This guy here. No, I'm not telling you, but think about it. God placed you in this body to be a body. And, and here's the thing. They went to get Jesus because they couldn't handle that storm on their own. They didn't know how to do it, and Jesus had to show them. And God will speak through your brothers and sisters in Christ to tell you how to calm. They'll remind you of God's word to calm those storms. You see, I thought it was random when the order of this stuff, because he's talking about the sower and the soils and, the, and goes straight to this stuff, but it's all about the atmosphere of our heart. Just like the atmosphere that impacts the sowing of the seeds. But both are about atmosphere. And I wonder about the atmospheres of our hearts. Can I tell you that nothing good develops in an atmosphere of anxiety? Nothing. Jesus says no matter if you're talking about a farmer in the soil, that's the atmosphere of the earth, or a storm in the sky, you have got to learn to take command of the atmosphere of your heart. Because here's what's happening. You're creating an atmosphere of anxiety all around you because there's an atmosphere of anxiety within you. And what's in you comes out to those around you. It's like that tube of toothpaste I described before where you squeeze it and you expect toothpaste to come out. And if you squeeze it and chicken poo comes out, I used mud in first service, thought I'd mix it up. And that stinks. And you don't want that anywhere near your mouth. Right? See, when the pressure of life and the storms come on, it squeezes, and you're gonna, people are going to find out what's inside anyway. Because you will have storms. And so they're going to see it. So you think you're hiding it, you think you're making this on your own, and you're just going to weather on your own, but it will happen that it will come out. And you take it out on people, and you're short with them, or you're withdrawn from people, or you become a loner or you whatever you do withdraw you need to wake up the faith inside you and say peace be still to those storms one last thing before we close in prayer it's been suggested that the reason the Hebrew name of God is Yahweh is because it's the very pronunciation is like a breath now listen I'm not getting all weird you know like guru thing on you self help I'm just telling you God created your body to function the way it did and there's lessons to be learned from that. And I don't know whether that's true or not, but, but I want you to try something, okay? If, we, if it won't be weird for you. Because sometimes we get so anxious, we don't even know how to breathe. I laid in bed one night, gasping for breath, and just so anxious about stuff and so worried, and I thought, wow, I, I feel like I'm suffocating, and I didn't even pay attention. I had these little short breaths, and finally I just tried to go, and it hurt. I'm like, man, something's wrong with me. And I tried that, so I'm like, man, I can't get a good breath. 
Sometimes we've been going at so long, these storms trying to weather our own, the anxiety that we don't even realize we're not breathing. And Yahweh sounds just like a breath. Yahweh. Why don't you just close your eyes for a moment? Why don't you just take a deep breath in and say, for you to breathe it without anxiety. So when you breathe every breath, it's a prayer reminding you that inside you, He's sustaining you. That when the waves come, He's saying, just breathe. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. Breathe in His grace so that you can breathe out with His peace. Remember, He started this. He said, let's go to the other side and He'll get you to the other side and that needs to trigger something in you that says listen we've talked about those things that, that bring storms in life but listen God wants to turn them around and you know the first one he wants you to stop letting, you know, speaking death into your life and speak peaceful words he wants you to quit listening to all those other voices and listen to his voice he wants you to take the right approach his approach through his word he wants you to calm those expectations those expectations you can't meet and he wants you to quiet the shame that the enemy has tried to bring upon you with every head bowed and eye closed if you're here this morning and you say listen I don't even know how to put all this together yet but I know one thing I came in here this morning with brokenness in my life and I have tried to fix it anxious about it always worried about it and I don't know even what all is going wrong I just know that I need peace and and I hear something going on inside me. Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit is speaking to you. If you're here and you want to accept Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, to let Him calm the storms of your life, to let Him teach you how to weather these storms, I want you to just raise your hand so I can pray with you. Amen. For all of the rest of us, we've got an opportunity starting today, the minute we walk out of here. Like the song says, let it be the peace in the middle of the storm. Jesus, we thank you and praise you for your word. I thank you, Lord, for, for what you've done in this place today and that you continue this work as we go. Thank you for your many blessings. We come with, to you with thankfulness. Lord, our request is you continue to shape and mold us and, and bring us, Lord, through these storms so we can learn from them, Lord. And each time you can trust us with more and that we become mighty men and women of valor, Lord, ready to face the battle ahead. And we thank you and praise you for it in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you all. I know it's hot and you stayed awake. Praise God for that. Have a blessed Sunday. And I'm sorry if you missed the buffet. I tried my best. Have a great day.